as the crack. Welcome to the Performance Project podcast. The podcast that aims to provide amateur athletes with professional standard uh, performance information with the whole goal of making you a better athlete. Uh, so this is our first episode. I suppose we'll do a quick brief introduction of uh, who we actually are. So I'll start myself. Um, my name is Seamus Fox. I'm a recently graduated physio from ECD, uh, but I'm actually living in Cork. Um, and I suppose my kind of sporting history has been largely based around rugby, so playing for Sunday's well in Cork and then uh, for ECD up in Dublin, and then uh, a bit of running up late in quarantine. Uh, so if you want to introduce yourself, Sean. Nice. Um, so my name is Sean Powder. I'm recently qualified neuroscientist um, as of last week. So but my sporting background is kind of uh, more more GA related. So I'd be playing GA with my local club, Douglas, and GA with Cork as well. And I just have a keen interest in injuries and sports injuries because I've a lot of a uh, lot of injuries myself. So that's why I've kind of gone to Seamus about setting up the idea of a podcast just to give people information, or just to like help people understand like complex ideas, um, and try and explain it in simple terms. Absolutely love it. So what do we have on the menu today? So the plan is to talk about COVID nineteen and mm. how people at home deal with it and how like scheduling how to stick to programs how to just mindset and stuff yeah how to maintain your baller status during quarantine <laughs> uh, <laughs> so should we start with i suppose um quarantine's obviously kind of messed us all up a bit like our, our total schedules and routines are out of whack like um so we don't have our usual school or college or work to be going to um and that in turn throws our normal like kind of gym routine out of whack um so it's uh, just something that's really important just from the outset is just um, taking control of your own time and prioritizing your own time to ensure that uh, uh, you're literally just uh, mapping out your time so you are continuing to work towards them goals that you have set. Like Exactly. Like um, with regards to sport, like, no one really knows when they're going to come back. So it's difficult to plan long term. So what I'm doing now is I'm setting short term goals. Like say if I'm running a 5K, I ran a 5k last week. The goal would be run a 5k this week, but in just even knock off two or three seconds, just like constant increasing rather than planning for a championship that might never happen there in the future. Mm. It's just like take it day by day, week by week, and kind of living in the present rather than focusing on some the future, which we don't really know what the story is there. So uncertain, yeah, absolutely. Like I actually heard today that um. The Irish like club rugby league, so like AL, that they won't be back until uh, January. They're planning, so like Jeez. literally half the season. Oh, it's mad! Like so, that will have been from I think the last game that happened was sometime in early March. So then March to January, like Jesus, that's like nine, ten months without any games. <laughs> no, like, so be like, yeah, it's crazy. literally it's mad. So um, actually, another really interesting thing I saw there just the weekend. Um, you know the way the Bundesliga was back, they had the first few games back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there was six games back, right? And uh, in those six games, there was eight muscle injuries, which is like unprecedented. Like it's mad, and like yeah, really connected to the current situation. Like so, just goes like, to show the importance of it. Like you as a physio, how would you deal with like how? What advice would you give to athletes who don't have access to top quality? Like these are top athletes who have access to whoever they want, and they're still getting yeah, injured. Yeah. How does like normal junior b or intermediate <laughs> rugby player stay injury free when they go back what tips yeah, like i think the, like it's obviously difficult with the current situation not having like regular equipment regular training things like that but i think like the important thing is not to like throw the toys out of the pram per se like as in do what you can with what you have um because there actually is so much that you can continue to do to minimize your injury risk and to continue like progressing as an athlete even at home 
Um, so like just some quick examples. So like, uh, so for adductor strains, so the gold standard exercise to prehab and rehab adductor strains is uh, an exercise called a Copenhagen. So it's basically like a side plank type thing. And uh, so you're in the side plank position and you have a partner holding your top leg and then you're using your lower leg to raise, use your lower adductors to bring your leg up towards your other leg. That's not a great explanation there, but just look it up on a video glimmer. <laughs> oh, stop. But yeah, I'll have a link in the, in the description. Like, <laughs> Jesus. Um, but yeah, literally, Copenhagen, because like the adductors are commonly injured uh, muscle group in like soccer, uh, Gaelic football, like any kicking activities, really. Like, yeah. So they're a great one to continue doing. Um, so just general recommendations, like if you've never done them before, I'd say start out about low enough volume, like because they are quite a tricky exercise. So I'd say about three sets of five reps yeah. uh, and then build from there. But uh, they're definitely ones that are worth doing during quarantine. And again, like you don't need any equipment to do them. So happy days. Um, I suppose, well, you were saying you're banging through your Nordics these days, are you? Yeah, like the because the injuries I had were kind of hamstring related. So I'd be doing a lot of strength work on my hamstrings. And I find the Nordic kind of gets a lot of... It, I find it extremely tough but I get like the most benefit out of it because like there is evidence behind it that it increases the vascular length of the muscle um, which reduces the risk of injury so that's why I'd be doing it um, but like at the start I remember I could barely even go down like I wasn't I was going nowhere near the ground I was literally just bending over and I had to clank my ass in the ground straight away <laughs> but like eventually I got to a stage where I nearly hit the ground now um but like what would you give like because i remember at the start i was scared because it's such a like aggressive exercise and i remember mm -hmm. like i was like jesus could this is this really gonna help me or is it like too excessive you know yeah, I mean? yeah 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 like i suppose the given the nature of the nordic like it is like a maximal kind of eccentric load for your hamstring because like you're using your kind of full body weight um so it can definitely be scary enough for somebody coming back from hamstring injury to first attempt it like um a nice way to like regress the Nordic is just to use like a resistance band, literally just around yeah, your body, yeah, yeah. Like a nice strong one. Um, or even before that, like exercises before you move onto the Nordic, because the Nordic would be quite an end stage rehab exercise. Uh, you could do, if you look up again, bang into Google images like Asklings, uh, Glider, and Slider. They're two different exercises. And the, basically, the purpose of them is to load the hamstring in that like maximally lengthened position, because that's generally the position where. Uh, for injuries occur like during sprinting yeah. uh, so they're a nice one to do before you do move on to the Nordic flex. and what like reps would you advise for say someone just starting off trying to get stronger for let's say running or pitch work how would you what reps and how how many times a week would you recommend yeah yeah I'd say um, like just like the Copenhagen's there that I mentioned like the uh, Nordics like it's uh, quite a taxing kind of movement uh, so I would initially start with like quite a low volume like so I'd say in around like three sets of five again like just like nice low volume and uh, try and control the movement as much as you can and like you can pay your bottom dollar that like if you haven't done the movement before like, that, like <laughs> you're gonna feel it in the morning like ah uh, cramping up like um <laughs> But yeah, they're definitely worth doing it. And again, like you don't need any uh, equipment to do them. So like they're bang on for quarantine. Like. Exactly, exactly. Um, so we've got Copenhagen's, we've got Nordics. What mm -hmm. else does the physio recommend? The physio, Jesus. Um, I'd say just sprinting, like uh, basic as you can get. But I think it's so important for, uh, well, like if you come back to like the whole idea that like if you don't train for it, you can't expect to perform it. Like, you know, so yeah. Um, I think it's a thing even in normal in-season, I think it's a thing that's not done that often, like actual sprint training, like um, yeah. with the aim of like reaching your absolute maximal speed, like 
Um, so depending on the studies you look at, like you reach your max speed at around uh, like five to seven seconds of starting sprinting. And uh, then after that, it's just about maintaining that max, max speed. You're not actually accelerating. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's really important, especially for like uh, minimizing hamstring injuries, because we know that like one of the main causes of hamstring injuries is this like max velocity sprinting where like yeah. the hamstrings are forced to uh, maximally contract like eccentrically, uh, like, kind of decelerate the leg when you are sprinting at top speeds. Yeah. Um, so the Nordics are bang on to help with them ones. Um, so for somebody who hasn't done much sprint training before, like specific sprint training, I'd say a nice place to start is in around uh, like three sets of maybe 60 meters. So again, nice low volume and then like a decent bit of rest in between too, because um, as I was saying, like you want to reach your max velocities. So you want to be fully recovered between these sets to be able quality to reach these speeds. Quality over quantity is what you're saying. Hang on. 100%. Yeah, you said it. So, like, and with regards, like, injuries for me, I remember, like, I did my hamstring a few times. And, like, the, the last time um, we took a different approach, we went, like, the sprint-based rehab rather than build up endurance that kind of way. And I kind of feel like it kind of gave me a platform where, like, like I'd be doing a lot more sprinting in the game and I kind of made my body adapt to what I'd be doing in a match. Um, so I feel like that'd be beneficial to athletes going back now because like a lot of athletes now are just running like 5Ks, 10Ks and they're like forgetting about the sprinting aspect of it. Mm -hmm. But I reckon if they go back, they're just going to, as you said, in the Bundesliga, the muscle injuries are going to go through the Mad. roof. Yeah, absolutely. Like, And another thing to hit on too is, uh, so we have muscle injuries, but like tendon injuries as well. Um because there's been so much uh, research done on like different tendon injuries of late and uh, the kind of conclusions that people have come to is that um, the relationship between like workload and tender tendon injury risk is kind of u-shaped so basically like um, a low uh, training volume and a high training volume both predispose you to injury so you want to get that sweet spot in the middle um, so obviously during this quarantine period we're at risk of having a like excessively low training volume yeah um, so if we're just learning from the past, like if we look at the uh, 2011 NFL season, there was like a period of 130 days where there was this NFL lockout. And it was basically yeah. this big dispute between like the owners of the league and the players um, for whatever reason, or whatever it was. Like, but, um, yeah, there was a period of 130 days where no games went ahead. Uh, but the interesting thing about that is then that uh, in the month after return to play, uh, there was a massive spike in Achilles tendon ruptures. So it just goes to show that like this extended period of unloading like predisposes you to tendon injuries. Yeah, and like it's kind of scary that like the like even the Bundesliga and NFL top top athletes like when they go back, if they're getting tendon injuries, like we are certainly well not well not me or you, but like people are definitely going to get injuries definitely. themselves. So like yeah, I'm assuming they're keeping on top of their plyometrics and that kind of stuff. Their Nordics, their Copenhagens, but like. Like, God help the people who aren't keeping on top of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, something's better than nothing. Like, I mean, like, you, you have to... It kind of reinforces the point that you have to do something during quarantine because, like, this isn't just, like, a few weeks period. Like, at the start, you're like, oh, like, you'll just get a few homework it's in, a few body weight work it's in, just yeah. to keep yourself taking over until gyms are open. But now we're kind of faced with the prospect of, like, there won't be sport for, like, a good few months. There won't yeah. be gyms for a good few months. Like, you, you have to do this stuff. Like, you know, there's no choice about it, really, like. Yeah, um, no. So just touching on that point about minimizing uh, tendon injuries. So biometrics are so important to do. So we were saying that like all these high level athletes, they still were predisposed to these Achilles tendon ruptures. But um, I think for amateur athletes, like it's still something that we have to keep on top of. Um, 
So yeah, I'd say I'd recommend athletes do plyometrics like a minimum twice a week and a maximum four times a week because the nature of them, they're like um, high velocity kind of ballistic loads. So they air quite a, a big stimulus to your tendons and this uh, it simulates like remodeling. So basically strengthening up the tendons uh, and this yeah, takes yeah. about uh, two to four days to uh, fully recover. So yeah, I'd recommend two to four times a week and no more than that. But um, they're definitely something to keep on top of during quarantine. And what kind and of what exercises are, are plyometrics like? What are, what, are, what are they like? So some examples of them would be like, uh, say a counter movement jump or a box jump, uh, drop jumps, things like that. So they're all kind of jumping explosive movements. Um, and it's kind of that higher level of strength like movement. So you're yeah. using your, uh, trying to exert like full force uh, under the highest speed possible um because power basically power is force times velocity so force is the amount you can move so the strength and velocity is the speed so it's basically uh yeah it's a full out explosive movement exactly so i think you've explained that very well and like so you're saying just to summarize what the four exercises you recommend to keep reduce your injury risks are copenhagen's nordics plyometrics and high speed running Sprint. There we go. Oh, hang on. And do you know what? I throw in one at the bottom. One more. Just, one more. Uh, He's adding yeah. a bonus round. There <laughs> we go. Oh, yeah, it's getting exciting. Uh, I'd say calf training, like, because I'm not saying calf training to grow mass because we all know that, like, that's impossible. So literally just calf training for function, like, because uh, especially with people kind of increasing their running load of late, like, yeah, you wouldn't yeah. realize how much the calves actually contribute to, like, say, force production and, like, shock absorption during running. Um, so like say especially road running because we know that like at some maximal running speed so like jogging and just like kind of slow runs uh your calves are like one of the huge force producers like uh when you do get from higher speeds it switches to the hip but at lower speeds it is the calf um so i think if people are increasing their kind of running loads and rows and that it's definitely worth doing some kind of specific calf training um and what would that include like calf raises or single leg calf raises um what else yeah exactly so like the calf is basically made of two muscles so like there's the gastrocnemius and the soleus so yeah. the soleus is like the deeper kind of powerful muscle or the gastrocnemius is the kind of bodybuilder more superficial muscle that you see like when boys that are built um but basically to work like do these muscles uh to work the gastroc you do a calf raise with a straightened leg um because just the way the gastroc's attached and where it inserts uh, across the knee joint so if the knee's straight you're engaging the gastroc more yeah um and then if you're looking to work the soleus, you're basically just bending the knee. So a calf is going to bend the knee. Um, but these muscles are extremely strong. Like, so you would ideally have an external load when you're training them. Um, or else, as you were saying, do a single leg variation, which would be really yeah. helpful. So how many would you recommend, say, we were just starting off, never did a calf raise. What would you recommend? Double leg calf yeah. raise, how many? But like our goal, like ideally for like an athlete would be, for a straight like single leg half raise would be about 25 and with a bent knee you'd aim for about 20 reps but that is for like an alley who's like fairly high level um so i'd say yeah if you're saying as you're saying like if you've never done calf raises before i'd say straight leg start with three sets of 12 in around that and then just gradually yeah. build up the volume as you can like yeah makes sense so we've got our nordics we've got our copenhagen's we've got our plyometrics we've got our high speed running and now we've got calf work Nice. Lovely. Jesus. <laughs> keep way. people busy. Fact, man. I'm telling you, Tony can do. <laughs> and like, how, what I'm finding tough now is staying motivated to do the actual training. Because, like, 
there is no end goal and I know we talk about like setting small goals but like it's difficult when you don't know what's going to happen and like this looks like for now we're going to be living with this virus so like how how do you stay kind of motivated to do these exercises when you know rugby mightn't be back soon or might yeah, that kind yeah. of way yeah, I know it's definitely tricky, like, and it's a big challenge, like, and it's something that's probably, like, uh, oh, definitely for people of our age, like, something we've never experienced before. So it's uh, absolutely even a new challenge. Yeah. Um, something that I'd say to athletes is, like, if you implement structure, like, it almost mitigates the need for, like, motivation. Um, so, like, just some simple tips to do at home, like, because, like, nobody really enjoys their home workouts, like, do they? Like, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, it's a bit different than going to the gym and like training with your your friends. Like, um, so yeah, I think just implement structure structure like in your home as best you can. So just have like a specific space in your house where you exercise and like a specific time of the day where you exercise. Um, and also have like a program preset out for you, so you're not just deciding on the morning. Ah, oh, Jason, I'll do a few bicep curls. I'll do a few lateral yeah. rises. Also, you're sticking to something like. What yeah, do you like, use yourself? What do you think? Um, like with regards to like people love going to the gym it's because we've learned to associate the gym with like us exercising and like that's called there's a neuroscience term called pavlovian conditioning so like when we go to the gym we associate like our exercise with the gym so it's difficult to do the exercise at home because we don't associate home with the gym if that makes sense interesting so, yeah, so sense. like that's why we find it difficult to do a workout at home um but we find it a lot easier to do it in the gym because we we've already we've learned that like when we when we enter the gym we get a hit of the chemical like the neurotransmitters that we've um that we usually get in the gym and our bodies like prepared ourselves for that but when we have it at home it's just it's it, the body stays in the same state so that's why like it we that's why well me personally and everyone is finding it difficult to do home workouts if they were used to doing it in a gym so like just know it's not there's nothing wrong with you it's just <laughs> it's just the way we're uh we've we've learned um but the way we're weird almost exactly um but with regards how what i do is i like what i said to start i structure my day i know what i'm doing from say 10 to 5 but like in, like most days i probably wouldn't even get most of that done but like i remember the psychologist uh jordan peterson if you've heard of him he just talks about like mm -hmm. making a plan and even if you like it if you get 70% or 50% of the plan done it's better than getting 0%. So like that's kind of what I'm working off if I don't get it all done I wouldn't be too bothered that kind of way. Lovely. And like tell me would you kind of sit down in the morning and like actually plan out your day or would it kind of be regular each day as you do? Um it's I'd probably do it the night before but use like most times I'd aim to do it the night before but I would like if I'd forget or I'm just tired I'd just do it the morning morning of because it's, it is kind of similar each day I'd get up do do kind of my morning routine and then flake into well what was college work but now like kind of learning about hamstrings that kind of stuff learning different no, no, aspects no. of um, tell me you mentioned your morning routine there uh tell me a bit oh, about yes. that um so i was reading the book um the 5am club i put up my instagram a couple of days ago and like it just talks about like this he calls it the or oh, the golden hour or some some phrase like that where he he recommends 20 minutes of exercise the minute you hit get out of bed to get the <laughs> chemicals the the good chemicals serotonin and dopamine flowing um just to start you off for a good day so what i do is to go down bang out like push-ups sit-ups that kind of thing just to get a sweat up then Probably. you're supposed to go into like mindfulness kind of meditation 
um, breathing exercises, visualization, that kind of thing. And then once you've that done, you you spend time like reading, listen to a podcast, and then you're set off set up for your day. He like he recommends do not even look at technology, keep it away because like in the in the morning you just don't want people coming into your like it's your hour. It's yeah, it's, yeah. it's for you. It's not Sarah in Galway's hour. It's your hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah in fact i think yeah there's an irish kind of self-help guy called pat Dively, and he preaches the same thing like uh like talk to someone first in the morning before you look at your phone like so basically sort out your own day sort out your own life and get your own priorities for the day straight before you start taking on that of other people you know so it makes perfect sense like yeah um you were saying visualization there tell me uh what's the crack with that or what do you be doing um like with i first came across visualization with regards sports psychology just like before a game, I'd visualize like scoring a goal or keeping my fella scoreless or kind of things like that. But then there's kind of science behind visualizing your ideal day and like how it would plan out. So if like if I woke up in a kind of shitty mood, I'd visualize having a good day, that kind of thing. And I feel like it does kind of benefit me. But I also find like meditation now is kind of it's it's kind of getting it's kind of becoming a really like popularized thing, but I think like there is there's a reason why it's, uh, there's a reason why it's become popular because like when I do it I kind of feel like calm and like I remember I was nervous for an interview la- uh, last week and I remember I just did it like just before the interview and I went and I just like was so calm in the interview yeah, love it, and I remember love it, I, I was shitting myself like before the interview but like once I did it I was like grand. You know what, like, and you're saying there that's becoming such a bigger thing, like, and I think it's so true. And I think the reason for that, like, it's obviously been around for years, like meditation and that, but it is getting popularized, like, of late, like, in say business and sport circles, and like for good reason. But I think the reason for that is because, like, I think the kind of perception of meditation, things like that, they're kind of like waffy, you know, they're kind of yeah. hippie up in there. But I think with modern kind of science, you're able to quantify the effects of that. So you're able to get like hard science and hard numbers that actually um, show the benefit of these types of things, and that's why yeah. they're being implemented in these kind of professional scenarios. Like, so I love it. Like, like the there's the science shows that with meditation and mindfulness, it re it rewires the brain. Like, so like people think now because they're thirty, their brain is fully formed; it's never going to change. But like getting into habits of like meditation and stuff like that does change the brain, but so does drugs and that kind of thing so like we're aiming for the the good stuff and staying away from the bad wiring um and you're just saying there about visualization i was actually just reading a paper lately it's actually mad the i'd just be interested in it because the effect of it on like uh, injury rehab um so there was a paper i'm not sure when it was conducted now or like how strong or rigorous it was like but i just yeah. thought it was interesting um basically it was uh three groups of people and the, they like they had no previous injuries and their exercise that they had to do was uh like like with their second digit they had to just do finger curls for one hour a day five days a week for four weeks all right so one group had to do that uh the second group had to visualize doing that so there was no actual movement they just visualized uh doing a finger curl for an hour a yeah. day for whatever and then the last group uh did nothing at all like they were just the control group and it was mad uh finger curl group had a 30% increase in strength which is fair enough like it's as expected uh, yeah. but the visualization group who actually did no exercise who just literally just visualized it had a 22% increase in strength so it just goes to show like yeah yeah the power I, I of visualization I, I heard I don't know how true this is but I, there was kind of a story in the NFL where they got um 
I don't know, a few quarterbacks um, to visualize. So they had one group, which was actually like practicing throwing the ball, um, say just as far, as far as they can. And then the other group was visualizing throwing the ball as far as they can. And I think the differences was like minuscule between the two, like with the improvements. And like, it's just crazy how like a simple thing can just like, it's, it's just like your, your mind, no, like your mind perceives what you imagine as reality. Yeah, like you so can't like, tell the difference between like exactly. physical experience and like uh, imagined experience. Like, so it's mad. Like, if you actually think of that, like the power that you have, like you don't actually have to do something to get the cognitive wiring to be able to do something. Like, that's massive power yeah, it's, it's, um, for athletes and beyond. Like, it's crazy. It's true, really. yeah. And I don't think they've like it's only becoming kind of common knowledge now how powerful it can be. hundred so, percent. Uh-huh, like, it's gonna it's gonna be crazy how for how like how it's going to be in 10 years like where it'll be at with that uh-huh yeah literally yeah big advances it's very good <laughs> um right coming back to uh athletes during quarantine right so yeah. boys are okay so boys are generally down to gym five days a week right and uh, they're after working uh for five years to get these <laughs> biceps right and uh all of a sudden they have no gym what would you recommend they do at home to maintain any bit of muscle mass would you have any suggestions for them um what I'm doing is I kind of, I'm still, I have like, thankfully I have like a barbell and weights, but like I do a lot of upper body kind of body weight kind of stuff, like tricep dips and pull up, push ups. Um, but I think like there is science behind, like if you push yourself to the maximum, you won't lose or near maximum. You won't lose those muscle, muscle gains you have. And as long as you're eating like the same amount of food and exercise or not exercising but like doing the same amount of um reps and kind of stuff like that you're not going to lose too much mass i think but uh, uh, yeah. that's only that's only talking from personal experience yeah no i think that's very fair like um i think it's a lot harder to gain muscle as opposed to maintain muscle um so like a lot of maintenance as you're saying like is down to like your diet so like ensuring you have enough calories in total and ensuring you have enough protein intake which um shouldn't really be affected by quarantine like there's no excuse to be slacking on the diet really like um and then just in terms of exercise i'd say so like uh the three kind of main muscle drivers the three drivers for muscle growth are muscular tension metab- metabolic stress and uh, muscular damage yeah. so muscular tension basically it's just the amount of weight being moved by the muscles so Fair enough, like if you don't have access to external weights, like which a lot don't at this time, then um, it can obviously be hard to maximize this muscle tension. But you can do things uh, to adapt your training to like maximize two other kind of variables which will maximize muscle growth. So that is like metabolic stress. So basically to maximize this, you want to be doing like high repetition work. So like, as you're saying, like say with your push-ups, your pull-ups, you want to be doing high reps and like feeling the so-called burn, like. Yeah. um working close enough to failure like and uh yeah this would be ideal for maximizing that metabolic stress and then if you're looking to maximize that muscle damage so we're looking to do uh like slow and controlled repetitions basically uh so like time under tension is your best friend for this um so with your push-ups with your pull-ups just try and do it slow up slow down so you're causing as much muscular damage as possible like and yeah to keep on top of two of these like you should be fairly good in terms of like maintaining a bit of muscle mass until gym do reopen like yeah, 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 that all makes sense. And like going away from like the kind of biceps and um, yeah. beach bod kind of look, um, you know, people just like starting off exercising because they have nothing else to do. Like, what advice would you give them? Because like 
if they go in, like I know on Instagram now, everyone's doing five k's, ten k's, twenty yeah, yeah. k's, and like people might just want to like, oh Jesus, I'll give this a go. Like, do you, like how would you recommend them starting? And would you recommend them going straight for five k or? Yeah, like first of all, like I think any activity is better than no activity. Like That's I never true. discourage activity. You know, like if you're somebody who hasn't exercised before and you're seeing quarantine as an opportunity to do so, then like ten out of ten, like go for it. Um. Yeah. But just, yeah, in terms of, like, from a physio perspective, say, like, uh, if you're to minimize, like, your risk of injury, like, because obviously, if you haven't exercised before, then, uh, like, say, road running, it's going to be a completely new stimulus for your body, like, which will obviously have to adapt to this to overcome it. Um, so I just recommend, like, gradual progressions in the load. So, like, as yeah. you're saying, like, people doing 5Ks on Instagram, like, I wouldn't start there, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you'd want to start maybe one or two K, like some maximal jogging and just build it up from there. Like just be kind of responsible about it. Um, just a general rule for people like who are beginning running is like to increase your running load or like any exercise you're doing really by about 10% per week. So it's just a small little increment, which will yeah. continue, continue your progress, but like minimize that chance of injuries. Like. Yeah, that makes sense. And like, I know now you struggle with these, but like, how would you manage like shin splints because i've had them in the uh, past and they are like people like kind of laugh at you ah shin splints but jesus they are sore <laughs> i know like i'm literally i'm getting bullied by my shins at the moment like, <laughs> i haven't been able to run for the past week i know like um yeah i think it's very topical too like because obviously everyone's taken up like road running and things like that uh yeah. so shin splints is kind of one of the most common overuse injuries that you will get from this road running um so yeah, like if you do experience shin splints, so basically what it is, it's pain in the inside of your shins. Like lucky you if you never experienced it. Like, um, <laughs> but yeah, like there's a period of rest kind of needed. Like there's no kind of uh, two ways about it. You need like seven to ten days of complete like rest from running, really. Yeah. Uh, and then it's just about progressive calf strengthening. So what we were talking about earlier with the straight leg and bent knee calf raises, um, just getting your calves really strong will be helpful. And then just uh, gradually progressing your load from there, uh, maybe starting from grass and then moving on to the harder surfaces of like road eventually. Uh, yeah. But that's what I've been doing uh, to unsuccessfully manage my own discipline. <laughs> but we'll keep you updated. So, so realistically, they're like, they're just manageable. There's no real like cure kind of person. No, nah, no, nah. there's no, no, nah, no cure. It's just, uh, yeah, like managing your load and trying to increase the strength of like the, they said like the relevant kind of muscles. That's basically exactly. it. Like. And so, like, moving away from kind of the sports aspect, like, what would you do? Like, would you read read a lot or would you watch Netflix or what would you, how would you keep uh, yourself busy, you know, once you've um, all the exercise and study done? Yeah, stop. I actually, like, struggle to watch Netflix unless there actually is something good on, like, I hate watching, like, just fairly shite, like, you know, at least the Michael Jordan things on the moment. Like, yes. I'm... Seven episodes into that, like, and that's actually very good. Um, so I don't mind watching Netflix when there's actually something decent on um but yeah i think reading's a big thing like and again like quarantine's a perfect time for it exactly. um i think it can open your mind to whatever like all these new perspectives perspectives and like different uh aspects of knowledge which i think really useful is there any kind of main books that you've been reading of late um the one i'm reading now is the laws of human nature um just kind of how people are and like what they're why why they act like that kind of stuff but it's like a it's a it's a bible so like i won't be finishing it i won't be finishing it anytime soon um i also how many pages it. oh i think it's 1200 or something and i'm also reading the subtle art of not giving a fuck um, Love it. it's yeah it's it i 
like you know all those self-help books it's kind of like a different kind of look on those self-help books which is kind of refreshing to have some someone else look at it from a different angle and the other one the final one was, was the 5am club which is just talking about like how to reach like your full potential and like there is some waffle in it but like there is some very good pieces you can pick out what about yourself um yeah of late i'm it's by dr joe dispenza what's the name of it now it's um forgetting it's like the art of forgetting yourself something like that like but yeah. it's basically just about um not letting like your kind of um your ingrained like neural pathways like from past experiences kind of affect your future experiences yeah. so it's just really interesting it's very very abstract and like it goes into like um subatomic particles and like the quantum oh, physics Jesus. and things like this like so yeah i know it's quite out there like but um in fairness he's very popular like and the book does make a bit of sense once you get into it so i definitely recommend it uh but like as you say like it's a dense read like it's like 500 pages so tough enough getting through your concentration literally oh like you'd have a pen and paper next to it or else you're wasting your time like yeah 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 um yeah that makes <laughs> Yeah. Right, do we have any closing things, anything that we have to tell the people before uh, before we go? So at least during quarantine, we have structure, we have like prioritizing your time, we have the few exercises we went through, just to summarize them briefly, like so there's the Copenhagen's, Nordics, max sprinting, plyometrics, and then your calf training. Um, and then on top of that, all your bodyweight exercises, just uh, yeah. something is better than nothing, just keep that in mind. Yeah, and just like on kind of the mental aspect again, just like from a neuroscience point of view, like, um i'd be like we'd work a lot with like psychology and stuff and like it's just in these times like people will struggle because like people well athletes like myself use sport as an escape to get away from like if you're feeling down or alone all you all i went all i go out and kick a football out the pitch and like that you can't do that so like some people could like some people mental health could be really affected by that so like it should, we should like kind of like, I know there's still like a negative stigma around men's mental health and just mental health itself. So I feel like we should like just kind of say it doesn't really like people should be able to talk to whoever they want like about their problems and not feel like they're going to be judged because this people do people are struggling in isolation and especially like people who can't do what they love. So like you should be able to talk to a counselor and not feel judged and like counsellors are there for a reason they're there to help you um and i feel like just that was my closing closing remark yeah no i backed out 100 like um this is such like a stressful and like kind of new time for people that like you have to be a bit kind of give yourself a bit of slack like you know it's tough for everyone and like you know you shouldn't be expected to be in this like unbelievably high mood all the time like you know it is exactly. tough for people so definitely reach out to the help if you do need it like um exactly. right so i think we should conclude it there happy enough our first episode went well, I think. First episode, good <laughs> stuff. So we'll see you in the next episode. I hope you enjoyed, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks very much.